Ho, 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 it's time for the Nip Talk Christmas Show. We got a good one today. We're going to be talking about breast implant illness. This is a big one. I've been threatened about talking about this for a long time. It's happening today. Then we're going to talk about the Solo Wave skincare wand that you can use at home. Does it work? We're going to talk about that. Lastly, Sarah's going to tell us how to deal with all this stress that we get at the holidays. It's coming up right now. Live from Lincoln Center in the heart of the Dallas Metroplex, this is Nip Talk. An honest and uncensored show about plastic surgery, health, beauty, and lifestyle. With your host, plastic surgeon Dr. Bruce Herman, and your co-host, entrepreneur and social media influencer Sarah Bennett. Now it's time to discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly of the topics everyone is talking about. It's time for Nip Talk. Merry Christmas and happy holidays. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm your host, plastic surgeon, Dr. Bruce Herman. With me is my co-host, Sarah Bennett. In the box is the man, the legend, Trelvis. What's up, guys? You ready for Christmas? Hey, uh, I am. I actually we am. We are. Yeah. Are you? <laughs> I can tell you. I mean, we're Oh, wearing. yeah, yeah. Our, our Christmas. Uh, so, I mean, I was just noticing your, your sweater here. Like, it, yeah. is it sloths? It's sloths. Sloths on a Christmas tree. It's beautiful. Nice. Yeah. I like it. I mean, so I, why are the sloths on Christmas? I don't know. Couldn't, couldn't tell me. Maybe it's a tree. Maybe it's a tree in the sloth jungle. I think sloths are, I think sloths are cool. Like I'd like to, like to hold a sloth. Yeah. I think that they look cuddly. I mean, they do have those claws, but I don't think Yeah. They're... There was like something I was reading or, or maybe I heard it. It was probably TikTok. Who knows? Um, <laughs> most, of, most of my bad information comes from there. It was like TikTok was like saying something about like how sloths could be like really deadly if they actually moved faster. Would those claws look pretty yeah. good? I mean, they look like the velociraptors like, from Jurassic Karen. Park. Like maybe that's where the velociraptors went to. They like Sarah, evolved. Sarah, one more time. What was, what was that sloth? Her. <laughs> <laughs> the sloth's gonna come get you. Why are you making fun of me? I, I just think it was very funny. It was a very accurate um, sloth impression, too. I think like, it was I mean, very yeah. educational. I don't even know what kind of noise a sloth makes. Does it, like, do they make noise? Well, apparently it's a... Go ahead, Sarah. Sarah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, they have a list. That's all I a, know from a, Ice they Age. Have a list? <laughs> they have from Ice Age. Oh, <laughs> Ice Age. Okay. <laughs> they have lists. I need to know what kind of noise a sloth makes. Does anyone know? That it might be amazing. I mean, they may not... I don't... I, they have to make a noise, right? Probably. <laughs> most <laughs> things, most things, most animals do make noise. I was gonna say, do they? How did we even get on? Oh, because of the sweatshirt. Okay. Do they have to make a noise? You just never know. All right, I'm going to look it up. I hope we never All find right, out. All right, so for the New Year's Eve episode, we're going to talk about what noise a sloth made. <laughs> it, it, remember those see and say things? You guys are probably not old enough to remember. Like the little thing where you like put it, it's like, this is the sound a duck makes. Quack, quack. <laughs> you never had sloth on there. You didn't have that? That's like an old toy. I'm dating myself. That was like a really old toy. It was like a, it was like a plastic thing, and it like it had, oh yes, it had animals, and it had like a little yeah, arrow, yeah, yeah, yeah. and like you'd point it to an animal, and you'd pull the string, and it'd be like, yes, this is the song I remember that cow that makes. I, remember that. I just don't. I never got Avery one of those. My daughter. I never yeah. got. I yeah. remember playing with with one when I was a kid, but not. You do okay. But so not, I remember playing. Maybe with that's I don't, like recent memory. Yeah, I just don't I, remember it. I don't <laughs> think we got our kids one. I don't think they make them anymore. They're probably like antique toys now. Probably. But. All right, we talked a lot about slot, but I still, Anyways, I need to know. what's your shirt about? Oh, so it's reindeer. See, this is me, obviously, because I'm so, so buff. 
<laughs> it's reindeer gains. Can you see it? Yeah, reindeer. There we so go. he's like bench pressing, or he's probably like, it's like military pressing. Yeah. Some really heavy presence. It's he's, like Bambi's dad. Yeah. Definitely it is Bambi's dad. He is. Bambi's dad, yeah, Bambi's like dad was like. Reindeer gains. Was just. Represent. I don't know. <laughs> Didn't his dad get shot or something? No, his dad was like the best thing ever. It was his mom that got shot. Oh, his mom got shot. His dad was just like. I remember I watched Bambi when I was so, like a little kid, and I was like, I'm so done, regal. man. Like when the deer died, I was like, I'm out. I'm done. Screw this movie. That one in Old Yeller. Like I watched Old Yeller. Did you watch? Have you seen yeah. Old Yeller? Yeah. The movie that did it for me was Fox and the Hound. Oh my God! Yes, Fox and the Hound. I can't I'm, watch my name's that movie. Todd. I'm a fox. Yeah, I know it's so sad. <laughs> God, what a depressing episode rolling right into Christmas. So let's get back on that. Are you guys ready for Christmas? Yeah. Got all your presents bought, presents wrapped. Yes. Any good Christmas traditions? Um, not really. Nothing. I just, I mean, eat food and try not to get in arguments. Yeah. So we don't quite have this, like, remember when we did the Thanksgiving, or pre-Thanksgiving episode we were talking about, like, my family at Thanksgiving is kind of like, you know, there's a lot of people there, so it's, there might be a fight. Yeah. But Christmas is a little bit more low-key, so. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, I'm trying to remember if I'm on call Christmas. I can't remember. I don't think I am. I don't oh. have to look. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, th I guess Christmas is usually pretty more chill because yeah. I do Christmas morning, usually me and Avery yeah. by ourselves, and then I go somewhere else. So like, see your mom, so. yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Well, I wish you guys the merriest and merry Christmases. I guess we'll see you for New Year's. Travis, we didn't talk. I guess uh, we'll have to because well, New oh New Year's is on Sunday, right? I, I don't know. So. I'm I haven't even tracked it. I will right, we'll figure it out. All right, <laughs> very good. Well, I do like your sloth sweater. That's really cool. And Thanks. I'm going to find out the noise a sloth makes. I mean, I have to know now. <laughs> like, I'm going to look. Soon, actually, as soon as this episode is, I'm going to be like, what's so sloth? Yeah, I think we have to know. Yeah, we're going to Google it. All right. Okay, so let's roll right in. So this is kind of a big one today. Um, and I say big one. I mean, we've been talking or in the, when we have talked about plastic surgery in the past episodes, we have always mentioned this thing about breast implant illness. Now, have you heard of breast implant illness, Sarah? Not until you told me about okay. it. Travis, have you heard yeah. of it? No, I've never. Okay, all right. So in the past, um, I guess, five to ten years, there's been this new kind of thing that's popped up that's called breast implant illness. And at first, I didn't really think too much of it because I just didn't think there was a whole lot of science in it. It just didn't sound like something that was necessarily like a huge problem. But it has gained a lot of popularity. And in this year, in fact, like it got a huge boost because you, have you guys heard of Danica Patrick, mm -hmm. the race car driver? Okay. Yeah. She actually uh, had her breast implants removed saying that she had breast implant illness. Now I have a little bit of a video there. <coughs> Can you roll that one, Troubles? I ended up with heavy metal toxicity, dysbiosis, leaky gut, um, uh, hormone disruption, so low, just low sex hormones and hormones overall, which include DHEA and vitamin D, um, as well as the sex hormones of progesterone, estrogen, and t testosterone. So yeah, it was just kind of like my body just finally went, we can't do this anymore. Danica recalls how she knew something was wrong both during and after her racing career. I had one thing where if I put my hand behind, my arm behind my back, even when I was racing, I remember this because we'd do the national anthem and it'd usually be right hand on chest. And I remember doing it different and like just doing this just to see how it felt. And I was like, oh my God, I can't even get my arm behind my back. And I remember saying every now and again, like I wonder if my implants are playing any role in this. My implants were so tight. It was just one at first that was that had 
hardened. And I was like, oh no. And it was early. I had just finished my career in racing. And so I thought maybe I crashed and maybe it's ruptured and something it's leaking and my body's fighting that. Um, and I had an MRI and everything was fine. And then, um, so I just kind of let it go and I was, and, and then the other one did the same thing. And it's not like you can tell every day. It's just like all of a sudden it's different and you're like, oh, that happened. And so really that should have been a sign and was that your, my body was fighting it. Danica's removal procedure happened this past April of 2022. And the racing legend says she saw some results within hours of the surgery. I got them out and you know, that night I, for, for the first time felt like oil on my face for the first time, which is explaining why my scalp was dry and my skin was dry and my hair wasn't the same. So there was Danica Patrick uh, talking about her experience with breast implant illness. And we'll talk about what that means in a minute because I'm sure you guys are probably like, what does that even mean? Um, <laughs> so I do have a couple of problems with the things that she was saying because, you know, in, in this, this topic's controversial. I mean, you have plastic surgeons out there who just flat out don't believe that it's real. And then you have plastic surgeons who, who embrace it which I think mostly is for monetary gain, and I'm gonna kind of go into that. And so you have these like different sides, and then you have patients who are just really you know adamant about it. So I, I don't know why, but this has become like a controversial topic, like in the field of plastic surgery. Yeah, it doesn't seem very measurable. Like right, you're right, because it's a self-reported disease. Yeah. yeah, and so that makes it difficult. So the issues I had with what Danica said, um, it's always funny, my daughter's name is Danica, so when I say that, I'm like, Danica? No. That's a uh, cool name. Yeah, it's a good name, right? So, um, so when Danica Patrick was talking about things like her hormones and stuff being all out of whack, like, I mean, there's really no data whatsoever to support that. I mean, that's a measurable thing that can be measured. And so, you know, when they do these studies, things like that, you know, don't pop up as things that, that, that change with your implants. Right. So some of the things that she was talking about just flat out and even like in the, like thinking about like the heavy metal poisoning or what, I mean... She, it, it almost like she was attributing everything that she could think of to these implants, mm -hmm. which, I mean, that's kind of going beyond, like, to me, what's reasonable when you're talking about breast implant illness. Because, like, right. you know, I'm a science guy. It's like, what does the literature, what does the study show? Yeah. The other thing is that she actually had a known complication of implants. When she's talking about not being able to stretch her arm and it being hard, that's, that's capsular contracture. Number one risk of getting breast implants. And that can cause issues in the area around your implants for sure. So she definitely had a complication from her implants. And so it's like, okay, were some of the things that she was talking about related to what's considered breast implant illness, or were they actually related to the fact that she had a true complication? Well, for sure, some of the issues she were talking about was from a true complication. So yeah. before I get into like what exactly this breast implant illness is, I do want to talk about how over the past couple of decades, you know, especially since implants were pulled off the market in the 90s and then you know, brought back, there are two things that researchers wanted to know about breast implants. And one was, is there any risk of cancer from breast implants? And so I got a little uh, graph I want you to throw up there, Trellis. And, and I'm putting this up so people at home that were watching this, if they want to go look these studies up, they can. I'm not going to go through them all. But what they basically show is these are the studies trying to find out if breast implants had any association with cancer and across the board, the answer was no, or there was no link found. Now there is one exception to that. 
And it's a recent thing, and it is the association of breast implants with the very rare form of lymphoma. It's the BIA, breast implant associated ALCL, which is a, a chronic lymphoma. But it's only associated with textured implants. Remember, we've talked yeah. about that before. And it's exceedingly rare. So if you had textured implants, your risk of getting that would be somewhere between 1 in 4,000 and 1 in 30,000. And then don't you say that they only do that for people that like are having mastectomies? Uh, the texture, so the, so you're thinking about the expanders. Yeah, oh. that's smart. You remembered, yes. And then they already are at risk for... But they take cancer. them out. The expanders okay. are in for a short time. Like okay. there, there are <clears throat> cosmetic, you know, final implants that are textured. And we talked about them, I think it was two weeks ago when we were talking about shaped implants. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, there's some textured ones. And that's why one of the reasons I don't use shape or one of the many reasons is because the texture does carry a very, very low increased risk of cancer. But outside of that, there's never <clears throat> been a study that showed that breast implants are associated with any types of cancer, which is good. Yeah. I mean, you don't, you don't want to get cancer from your breast implants. We prefer that. that. Yeah. suck, right? And the other thing is they wanted to know if there was any um, association with uh, connective tissue disorders. And that's a, a large, and there's a, uh, throw up that next uh, chart with there, Travis. Yeah. So this is the collection of studies in the past 20 years trying to find any association of breast implants with connective tissue disorder. So that's like uh, rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, Sjogren's syndrome, scleroderma, so on and so forth. And all of those, except for the very last one, showed no association whatsoever, okay? And I do want to spend a minute to talk about that last study um, that came out in 2018. It's from MD Anderson, which is a very well, you know, reputable medical center. Mm -hmm. They're mostly known for, for cancers, but that also plays into implants because of breast reconstruction. Right. And it looked at a very large population of patients, and it found that there is an association of like two to eight times increased risk of some rare connective tissue disorders. I think it was Sjogren's syndrome, scleroderma. I can't remember if rheumatoid arthritis was in there, but there's a big but to that. Because when that study came out, it was kind of a bombshell. It's like, oh my God, finally a study shows that breast implants are causing these problems. Yeah. There were a lot of problems with that study. because, And this is the one thing that as a person who actually knows a lot, a lot about medical research, because I did medical research back in my training days. I, mm -hmm. I wrote some papers. I was like the lead investigator for one study. Like there's a lot of super bad studies out there. Either the studies are just not designed well or they're not, the data is not interpreted right. And so this study is one of those. In fact, the Food and Drug Administration came out and said, this is a bad study and you shouldn't take too much stock in it. Well, the Food and Drug Administration, I mean, you know, they're the ones that you know help, help keep us safe from like right. things like medical devices. So that was a big deal, and they were right. Like some of the issues were that it was uh, some of the diseases were self-reported, meaning, you know, they would ask a person, "Oh, you know, do you now have like Sjogren's syndrome?" They're like, "Yeah, I think I do have Sjogren's syndrome," as opposed <laughs> to like you know, actually a doctor diagnosing it. Yeah. So that that throws up a lot of doubt in there. And then the other thing that was kind of interesting um, was that the study actually showed that. If you had breast implants, that you had a decreased risk of having birth defects. I mean, that makes no sense, right? I mean, zero sense that if you as a woman get breast implants, that your baby has a lesser chance of having a birth defect. But that's what the study showed. And it just goes to show you that, okay, <clears throat> if maybe this data that it showed is not really realistic, maybe these other data are not. So most people don't put a lot of weight into that 2018 study, or most most people who really know data and know about this topic don't. Yeah, that, see last, this. that last statistic would have. Uh, I mean, it's just kind of. I would have been right? like, um, 
ったのだ。But I mean, it came from a, it came from a very well known place. So like when it came out, it was kind of a big deal. And then what happens? People started arguing about it.、Right. I mean, I stay out of all that, but there were some big problems with that study. So it's like, since it's the only one that showed any link, you're like, okay, maybe this is like an outlier because of the various reasons. Right. But I do want to talk specifically about breast implant illness, which is kind of separate. It's kind of, it's sort of like linked in with connective tissue disorders, but really kind of its own entity. And so, it's actually a term that was coined pretty recently to describe symptoms that women had. That had breast implants, and so、uh, I think Travis, if I'm correct, the next slide is the same. Yeah, okay, here we go. So I'm not going to say all of them, but the big ones are fatigue, joint pain, headaches, brain fog, like these very, as you said, self-reported symptoms that are not things that you can really measure with like a lab study、yeah. or an X-ray or whatever. And the other thing I always mention when I'm talking about breast implant illness is these are symptoms that do absolutely come on as you age, right? Yeah. What happens as you age? You're more likely to have joint pain. You're、I'm、more、tired. likely to have muscle pain, right? You're more likely. I mean, I I know that myself. Like I get, I mean, I'm you know late 40s now. I'm not the spring chicken I was, and I don't have the energy that I had when I was younger. I mean, obviously, I don't have breast implants, right? So it's not even a question. But some、Maybe、of these should get them. Think so. Yeah. So, what do you think? Like a C cup? <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm gonna pass on breast implants. Thank you, though, Sarah, for that recommendation. I do what I can. I mean, what I do myself? I, don't I hope not. <laughs> you have to film it live, though. That's right. All right. So anyway,、um, also these、uh, symptoms are associated with either saline or silicone implants. So that they're not necessarily doesn't matter. Doesn't matter, right? People will say that it's people with. Saying implants say that they have breast implant illness, and and these gain massive attention due to social media. I mean, this is truly a condition that was born out of social media because where this kind of got its root was Facebook groups. There's two massive Facebook Facebook groups, and I'm not a members of them. I have no interest in being on、yeah. them just because. I mean, there's just no point. But、yeah. that they're 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 almost like.、Um, Like、uh, recovery groups for people who feel like they're having issues with the implants, and that's how this thing really gained a lot of traction.、Yeah. Because these Facebook groups have power. Yeah, they like, just like feed off of each other. Yeah,、like、and a, I don't want to say that like in you know like in a negative way because there's a lot of Facebook groups that are good, you know, that are very scientific, and you know I'm not sure that that these are as scientific. Like I think that they will bring in studies, and I haven't even been on there, so like I can't say for sure. But the whole point is that you know this is a kind of condition that it was almost like a group think that people are like okay I'm having these issues I have breast implants you're having these issues you have breast implants is there some connection and in that I think it's a good thing like you know you have people connecting and talking about problems that they have with other people that may have the same problem in that I think it's a great idea yeah but once again I'm always what does the science show because just because you and、same. I You know, maybe we both have breast implants and we're both tired. Does that mean that this is something medical or not?、Right. I mean, absolutely no. Like you have to have like some link. And so、um, I, I went through, and I do this periodically, where I will I'll look through the literature about breast implant illness because I want to keep up with it. Because I am a breast expert. I mean, I did、yeah. a fellowship in cosmetic and reconstructive breast surgery. You know, a lot of my practice is doing breast surgery, so I feel like I need to know these things. 
And so I do absolutely keep up with it. And so the first one I pulled up is a study um, from, uh, throw that study up there. Yeah, this was actually from 2021. And so Rod Warwick actually is a famous plastic surgeon here in Dallas. He was head of UT Southwestern Plastics. He's you know, uh, written a lot of books. He, he actually started his own podcast after ours, I will mention, but he does, he did start a podcast. That's nice. To ours. But he did a big study in 21 and they looked at all of like the, the studies and they said that there at that time had not been any concrete or evidence-based studies to support the formation of a medical diagnosis of breast implant illness, because that, that is something that all of these, you know, groups and, you know, information place will say that this is actually not a true medical diagnosis. Like it's something that everyone's talking about, but it hasn't gotten enough like proof. Yeah. Cause I feel like with studies that they keep doing, they should be able to like follow the person before they have. So like you See, had you're fatigue. You're so smart. Like you're going to put me out of business here. Cause you like, you know exactly what I'm about to say. I went to college. Sarah's smart. <laughs> no, but you're absolutely right. Because you know, if there's a problem out there, you want to do studies to try and nail it down. Yeah. And as of yet that, that hasn't been done. Yeah. They're just focusing on the, on yeah. researching a patient after they've already had a surgery right. and they a, need to focus on before yeah, and after. See, you're saying very smart things. They're, they're doing retrospective studies. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of retrospective studies. We're going to talk about some of the bigger ones. There's a lot out there and a lot of them are junk, both, you know, for or against this, but there are some good ones. And, and you know, you in this, and I just want to say, you know, I am one of those people that I'm in the middle. I'm not one of those surgeons that's out there saying I'm a breast implant illness expert because I think a lot of those people are just charlatans. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not afraid to like piss off other surgeons, but, and we'll, we'll talk about why I think that, but I'm not one of those people too that says that this is a joke. Like it's not a joke and there's studies that show it's well, not yeah, a Well, yeah, people's mental health is not a joke because yeah. I feel like that's a lot to I mean, do with it. I mean, maybe, maybe not. We don't know for sure, but I mean, there, and I, let me just talk about the studies and I'll, I'll show you yeah. what I mean. So first I want to talk about the instance. So how prevalent is this, right? Like how many people are out there saying, and that's really hard. There's not any good study that shows how many women are actually complaining of breast implant illness. I will tell you in the 13 years that I've been doing um, breast implants and I've done a lot, like I, I have to be over a thousand breast implants that I've done, you know, patients, I would think, I don't know. I mean, I probably should go back and figure that out, but I've done a slew because I focus on breast and body. I do <clears throat> implants literally all the time. Yeah. I've had one patient come back to me recently and say, you know, I'm having these symptoms. Do you think it could be related to my implants? And so, and I'll talk about what I discuss with people. I've had plenty of other patients come from other doctors, you know, because I'm a breast specialist and I, I just did a patient that came in with breast implants. I took out her implants, did a lift and I actually brought pictures of her because she was kind enough to let me, you know, sh educate other patients of what it would be like to take out your implants. Sure. Um, but, uh, but yeah, in my practice, I just haven't seen it. I haven't seen people coming back and saying, I feel like I'm having these symptoms. I tried to figure it out based on the research, like what the incidence was. And I came up with it. It's around 1%. And that's not super scientific. That's me looking at the number of patients that say that they have this and then dividing that by the number of patients who are getting implants. So I, I estimate it's like less than 1%. I'm thinking like maybe 0.2 to 0.5%. So like one out of, you know, 200 to 500 people that get breast implants will say this. Yeah. Um, so it's not super common. The onset can be sooner late based on the people that report it. So it could be, you know, a month after they get their implants. It could be five years after they get their implants. There's no set time. And the frustrating thing is there's no testing or diagnosis that can be done. This is what we call a diagnosis of exclusion. 
if you have these symptoms and we can't pinpoint a reason for them and you have breast implants, we might say, well, are your breast implants causing this? And as I said, there's, there's no real data to show that there's a clear link and people are trying to find that. Like, mm -hmm. it's not like people aren't looking for it. They are trying to find a link for breast implants to these, you know, what I call constitutional symptoms or like general, it's not like a symptom right at your breast. It's like, you know, headache, I feel tired, I have memory problems, right? Yeah, I feel like it's an easy thing to believe is true though. Like you're putting something foreign in your body. So they're I mean, like, absolutely. Sure. Like, yeah. There could be, there could be right. Yeah. It is something foreign in your body. There were plenty of people who had issues with breast implants in the eighties and nineties. Mm -hmm. Now they were different issues. They were local issues, liquid silicone leaking in their body and causing all kinds of like, you know, and they were measurable though. What? They were measurable though. Like there was actually they were proof. Measurable. Yeah. 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 True. True. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I do want to talk about some studies and the first study I want to talk about is from uh, 2020, and it's this in the uh, Annals of Plastic Surgery, and it's basically understanding breast implant illness before and after and an explanation. And so this study looked at 700 patients that thought they had breast implant illness. They, they said, you know, they came to the doctor, they said, I have breast implant illness, I have these symptoms, and they got their implants removed. They also were going to a place that advertised themselves as a breast implant illness, you know, expert, okay? So okay. this is like, Doctors seeking these patients who are seeking the doctors to do beating on the yeah. trend, I guess. Right, and surprising or not surprisingly, um, their symptoms were the usual things: numbness in the hands, joint pain, muscle pain, fatigue. I mean, there was kind of a laundry list of different things that they measured, and they did a very accurate measurement. It was a scale of like, I think it was one to five or one to ten, and they did it before their surgery, and they did it right after their surgery, and they did it like three and six months later. And there was an enormous drop in their symptoms. I mean, like it was, it, it was no question that these patients reported that their symptoms absolutely got better. I mean, by, by almost a hundred percent, I mean, almost a hundred percent of the patients said that their symptoms were better. So when you see a study like that, like, you're like, wow, I mean, obviously this isn't like a made up thing. Yeah. I mean, it's not, I mean, these patients are getting better. I mean, true, they're self-reported symptoms, but they are getting better. And so, you know, you have to look at the study and at least, you know, not dismiss these people who are having these symptoms. Yeah. Now, with every study, I'm always like, okay, is there a weakness to the study, right? I mean, I'm, I, I, I've said this a million times, like I hate when studies pop up in the media and someone reads the study and they just take it as the gospel. Like, oh, it's a medical study. It has to be 100% accurate. And there were some weakness to this. And and, and the weakness is one of them is what you said. It, it was uh, it was retrospective, I believe. It wasn't like a it wasn't like a blinded random study where like the patients didn't know they were being studied. Right. There is bias oftentimes when patients know what they're looking for and what the doctors know and looking for. And these are patients who thought they had a problem. They believed if they took the implants out, they would get better. And what happened? They did, right? Right. And so it's like okay. Does that mean there's a medical link? And they, they found no medical link, but without question, the patients were getting better. So really like what the best study would be was one where there were patients who had the symptoms, but they didn't believe their implants were causing it. And what happened to them if they took out their implants, right? right. There is a study like that. Okay. Pop it up. Next study. So this was a big one. This is out of the aesthetic surgery journal. And it's got this huge long title, but it, it basically looked at three groups of patients. One was women who had breast implants, thought they had breast implant illness, and they wanted them removed. Okay. okay? So that's just like 
every patient that was in the previous study. Right. There was a second group of patients that had breast implants, but they didn't think they had breast implant illness. They maybe didn't even know what breast implant illness was, but they also had symptoms similar to these other patients. And the last was what they call a control group, which had no breast implants whatsoever, and they were having just a breast lift. It was kind of random, like, why they threw that group in there. But, I mean, I get it. It's like a what we call a control, where, like, they don't have any implants just to see if their results are any different. And there was actually a lot of take-home things that this study showed. And uh, the first, you know, kind of take-home from this study was in the group of people who thought their symptoms were coming from the breast implants, 96% of them felt noticeably better after they got their implants removed. Right. So that, that goes back to the, the study that we just talked about. It, it proves that if a patient believes they have it, believes they have it and you take out their implants, they're going to get better. Right. But some of the things that were, you know, also interesting, one, and I'm going to, I'll, I'll expand on this in a minute. It, it showed that when you take out that implant, it doesn't matter how you remove the capsule around it. Because there are like these people out there, these breast implant illness experts, and I, I just like roll my eyes when I say that. Some of them will say, oh, well, you have to see me because if you don't get every speck of the capsule, you're not going to get better. Right. Or you have to see me because I do an in-block resection of the capsule, and that's the way to get this, you know. And I even saw one that's like, you know, oh, well, I do these PCR, it's all BS. Mm -hmm. Like this study showed that it does not matter. Like, those people are just doing that for marketing. Right. You know, whether they took the capsule out, left it in, took it out this way, took it out that way, made no difference. All the patients in the group that thought they had the symptoms, when they took out the implants, they got better. And that was right. a pretty important take-home. There were some other important things, and I'm going to get to the, the big one, but the one uh, also I thought was important is it kind of, like, gave some characteristics of people that like, get breast implant illness. Which, I, I say this, like, not in any way to, like, you know, tribalize them as, like, a group of people that do any certain thing. But you do want to think, if you're putting in breast implants, like, which patients do you need to educate about this might be a thing, right? And so they found that the people who were most likely to get breast implant illness had uh, more commonly had lots of allergies, okay? So they had lots of reported allergies to other things. They had lots of self-reported diseases, like... Uh, chronic fatigue syndrome, um, they had uh, fibromyalgia, uh, irritable, irritable bowel syndrome, like, and they had these before too. It wasn't like mm -hmm. they thought the implants gave them. These were things they had before they got their implants. Also, they tended to get their information off social media, which that makes perfect sense, right? Because these, this thing was born on social media. So, yeah. so it does give you some insight as a surgeon, like when I'm doing a console, okay, who do I need to like really kind of sit down and say, hey, this is something you need to think about you know, do you want to go ahead and get implants yeah. or not? And I, and I do I do that. I feel like people who are just like naturally overthinkers might have this issue too. Like they trick their body, their mind and body to think that there is I mean, something I don't know. wrong. I mean, there, there's no data to kind of yeah, say exactly, exactly. what it is. But the most <laughs> important take home that I got from this study, which, which does like kind of solidify the fact that this shouldn't be like a dedicated medical diagnosis is in the group of patients who had breast implants, who had symptoms of headache, fatigue, joint pain, and whatever, and didn't believe it was from their implants, what do you think happened when they took out their implants? They still had it. Still had it. It didn't change. But yeah, that's what I'm thinking is like your body and your mind yeah. are, are a crazy powerful. thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, isn't there like, like women can make them, their body think that they're pregnant? Yeah. 
I, I, I've heard of that. I don't know if that's true. Yeah. But it's like a look like up along your body can poison. do a lot of st- yeah. like your mind, like yeah. it's crazy. So I mean, to me, that study was pretty like um, big in that I don't feel like they're gonna find this like smoking gun link between yeah. implants and these. Well, here's, I have a question. Have you ever thought about doing your own study, like with your own patients, like doing like Man, like they come know, in for this consultation to get the yeah. breast implant and you're like asking so you just like have like you know a questionnaire like do you feel this that yeah. don't you don't say like what it is so, breast I mean, implant I, illness and then you give the sur- the survey again you know post-op yeah. couple of months down the road i do my like my own personal studies like yeah i'm, I'm beyond just for personal like, i don't i have zero in- i did interest. research in papers when i was in my training and i didn't necessarily care for it like yeah I mean, I got a lot no, of stuff going tedious. on. Like, it's just like another thing. So, but I do ask my patients, you know, and the the patient, the most, because I've done a few of these now. Like, I don't advertise myself as like this breast implant illness thing because I think that's kind of a joke. But like, being a breast expert, I get these patients sent to me and I, you know, I, I educate them and I'm going to talk about what that means. But, um, uh, but I do always ask them, yeah. you know, in the follow-ups, like, do you feel better? And, and across the board, they do. So, yeah. so what's the take home from this, right? So we've talked about these studies about breast implant illness. There's like these two sides of like, oh, this is the worst thing ever. Or, oh, this is completely made up. I mean, I, I think as always, the truth is in the middle, right? right? And that's where I stand on this. Like, I'm not a surgeon that's going to dismiss someone's concerns. You know, like if you think in, in, in anyone who thinks they have breast implant illness or you think that, you know, or your friends think they might have it. I mean, they should listen to this. Like if you think you have it, Go talk to a surgeon. I mean, there is a lot of data out there on this now, and I would I would encourage people not to go to the extreme surgeons. Like these these people that like popped up that are these breast implant illness experts. Like, I mean, they're doing it for money, right? Like they're they're feeding off people's fears, and and I mean, I think it's good that they're helping people, but I think there are people out there that if you sat down and you talked to them and you go over the data with them. Like, I think some of those people might not necessarily take out their implants. And so that would potentially be a good thing because there are downsides to taking out implants. It's another, it's a surgery. It's a surgery. There's risks from that surgery. Um, Your breast appearance goes downhill dramatically when you remove implants. It means you have to have another surgery like a breast lift. So then you're talking about multiple surgeries. Gee, I wonder why these doctors want to take out people's implants, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so like, if you sat down and you talked to somebody that's reasonable, like you might come to the conclusion, well, maybe this is, or is not. But on the other hand, you don't want to go to a surgeon that's not going to listen to you. Like you don't want to go to that doctor that's going to tell you, oh, this is made up. It's all in your head. Like there's no science to this because I mean, we went over the data. Like if you come in, you think that this is, you know, causing you significant problems and you take out the implants, you are going to feel better. That is not in dispute. So, um, you know, as always, I try to be in the middle of like, you know, I hate to be in the extremes, right? I like to be a centrist. And yeah, so, balance, me too. Balance, right? Yin and the yang. So, you know, when it comes to breast implant illness, I mean, I love to talk to people about it because I do go into the detail of like, what does the literature show? Like, not like, what does, you know, your friends say, or, you know, what does the person say that's not gonna, you know, like, what is it, what does the data really show based on your symptoms? And, and I like doing the cases. I mean, I do tons of these cases. I don't, they're not usually for breast implant illness, but I get a ton of people that got breast implants 20 or 30 years ago, their bodies changed, they want their implants out. 
and they want to look good. And so what do I do? I take out their implants, I take out their capsules because I, I don't leave them behind. I do take out the capsule because I, I, I like to have a fresh, healthy layer of tissue to grow together. So I always take out the capsule and I usually do a breast lift on them. Some, sometimes not, sometimes they don't need a lift. It just depends on their individual person. But I go into all these details, I explain their options and we do them and across the board, these patients are satisfied. You know, um, I think they're really good. So like taking out implants and doing lifts, I love doing them. Like they're, they're pretty artistic, you know, and so it's something that I, I like to do. So. Yeah. so if you think you have breast implant lifts, I'd love to talk to you. You can always drop me a line on social media. Um, if you don't live near me, I, I'd be more than happy to go over what I know about it, which I feel like is a lot because I do stay up on the data on it and help you make a good decision. Oh, and lastly is for new patients, right? So if you're thinking about getting breast implants, should you be concerned about breast implant illness? It's a great question. I mean, we know that there are certain people who are more likely to have it. Now keep in mind, it's very rare. I think it's less than a 1% risk, so not something that's really high risk. Also, you know, you can kind of figure who's gonna be more likely to have it based on those things we talked about. So it is something I do discuss with patients, um, you know, when they're coming in for implants, but specifically if they have those things that might make them more prone to it. Yeah. So, all right, good talk. I. Uh, I hope I don't make you mad. I can see like everyone being mad at me because there's going to be the people who are like, oh, you don't believe it's fake. You're a dummy. And there's people it's like, oh, you don't think it's the worst thing ever. You're a dummy. Like, yeah, just, it's I'm a little controversial. I'm trying to be but... scientific. Yeah. But, but I, do think can that, do. I, I do think there's something to it. So, all right. Good to yeah. know. I've been waiting to do that one forever. Well, I think it, I mean, honestly, I think it just shows that you have empathy. And I think some doctors lack empathy because they are constantly it's all, about all the of these. Uh, well, one, it's like you have to take yourself out of the equation, right? Yeah, you have to like, you know, have a boundary. And sometimes I think some doctors create too big of a boundary where they don't even see you as a person anymore. Yeah, that does happen. So I think that that's good that you have empathy because you're, I mean, that shows uh, that you do. Because you meet in the middle because you're, you're like scientifically, but also right, thinking about. Right, listening to patients. Uh, yeah. It's important so, to listen to patients. I mean, we talked about last yeah. week. Yeah. You've that, been talking about it. Yeah. I think you talk about almost like every episode. Listen to patients. Yeah. Patients, I honestly, you should be to communication. To listen to your okay, all right, let's move on. So uh, we did a lot of these segments early on. I don't know if you and I have done one, or at least not recently. So I like to at times talk about home products. Now, have you heard about the Solo Wave or Solo Wave? Sorry, S O L A Wave. Solo I think wave. if I've seen it um, advertised, maybe if I see like the actual. There's a picture of it. Oh, Solo Wave, the advanced skincare wands with oh, red light. Oh, it's got there. a lot of reviews. It, wow, it does. Of course, that's their website. So, oh. you know, anything I find Who's on a website, to say? There, there's always like the question of, okay, is that real? <laughs> so my, I, thanks to my wife, Cindy, for suggesting this. She was looking at this and she's like, do you think this is real? And I'm like, I don't know. I'll look it up and I will talk about it on Nip Talk. So here we are. So this is a little device. You can use it at home. It costs about 150 bucks. And so it combines four technologies. It has red light therapy, microcurrents, facial massage, and therapeutic warmth. Okay, so it has four things that it does, allegedly. Um, so, of course, what am I going to do? I'm going to look at the research. I mean, I'm like an open book. You know what I'm going to do. So I start digging into the research on this. And, I mean, there's not like a good re – so what I would want is I would want a research paper of people that use this device that was, you know, you know, as well as it could be like a blinded study. I mean, they know they're using it, so it couldn't be completely blinded. But, like, people are using that versus, like, doing nothing versus doing other things and kind of, like, you know, have some metric. Yeah. Not really out there. Like, you know, the, the website did claim that it had some studies, but then you couldn't get any links to them, which always makes me really kind of, you know, nervous about them. 
So I couldn't find anything that said, okay, use this device and it's going to, you know, give you this result. Like, I mean, there was things that said, oh, it like had patient satisfaction and this and that. I mean, that's to me not, you know, yeah. hard science. So what I did is I looked at each individual therapy to see, is there any science in that? And so the first one is the red light therapy. I think you've talked about that. We before. have talked about red light yeah. therapy. Yes. It's a form of IPL or intense pulse light. I have a machine like that in my office. Yeah, so it works. Broadband light, it does. There's a lot of data that shows that red light therapy works. And so it increases your collagen, it makes your skin more youthful. Like there's just a lot of benefits of red light therapy. It's very well established. So right off the bat, hey, SolarWave, you got that going for you. Now, mm -hmm. gonna play the devil's advocate. How intense is that light? Because it does make a difference. Yeah, like, it's in a little pin. Yeah, the machine in my office can literally burn your face off. Like that's cool. how intense. Yeah, you have to be careful with it. Like, it, like we have a laser in there that we use all the time. The laser is not near as dangerous as now, the intense. Now you're light. reminding me of like Austin Powers, the laser. The piece. laser. How can I get a shark with a laser? Yeah. Um, but no, the intense <laughs> pulse light is very, very intense to the point that you have to be very careful with it. Obviously, this home pen thing is not anywhere near that no. level of intensity. And so it's like, okay, yes, red light therapy works, but you know, does it work at this low dosage? I mean, that's a good question. Um, and I, I don't have like any solid data on that as far as like, you know, how good is that red light therapy? But red light therapy does work. So I'm gonna give it like a thumbs up on that. Yeah. So the next is microcurrents, which um, there's like another thing out there. I can't remember if it's like called new wave or new phase that like claims that microcurrents like do all these things. like. Uh, it's supposed to increase the quality of your skin and decrease the age. So there actually was a study on the webpage that said, that was talking about microcurrents and it was talking about microcurrents specifically with this device. And I clicked on it and like, it looked like it was written by like a child, but like a child whose first language might not have been English. Like the study was bad. Like I couldn't even like make heads or tails of it. Like and it was on their website. The I, I can't remember where I was, you know, I like when I'm doing oh, these scrolling. things, I have like two monitors open. I got like, windows everywhere and I'm bouncing back and forth trying to get my data. And so um, I, I can't remember where I found, but it was a studies for the microcurrents of this, you know, solar wave. And it showed that like it made a benefit, but man, the study, like it was too sketch for me to like, you know, take seriously, to take seriously. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and that'll happen like, and I'm not dogging solar wave at all, but there are home therapy companies will say, oh, we have this study that like, you know, says that this is such a great thing. And so the average person is like, oh, there's a study that says that. Well, me, I'm like, click on study, click on study. And then you look it up and it's like garbage. That happens a lot. Like that's super, super common, like in sales that they'll link something that really is not good at all. Yeah. So I'm not convinced microcurrents like are helpful. I mean, I'd be very skeptical if there's, there's a lot to that, you know? So I'm going to kind of give that one like a thumbs you know, down that maybe yeah. that part doesn't work. So next was facial massage. So I know you weren't here when we did the jade roller. Travis, yeah. you remember the jade roller, right? I have one. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I do remember that episode. So we were talking about the jade roller and how it can help with lymph lymphedema in your face. And this machine Does has it? some effect of that, yeah. that, um, that you can reduce the edema in your face, which is helpful. Like, you know, when you get edema in your face, like it's not as healthy and it kind of, you know, inhibits some of the healing things that, that go on with your skin. So, you know, the question is going to be how well does this thing re reduce edema? I mean, I don't know. There's not a lot of like data out there to show that, oh, if you use this, it decreases edema by 40%. Does, I mean, that's do, a, does jade rolling work? It does. I mean, to a certain degree, like, wow. 
You'll have to watch that segment. I know. I need to watch it because yeah, I segment about the I, got, I bought one of those things that's like the like it's like shaped like all weird like it's shaped like a V and then it has like a so it's crevice. Got, like a dual rollers. No, it's not a roller. It's like it almost looks like it's like it looks like a rock. It's like a jade uh, rock, and you oh. just like shove it like on your nice. face. Nice. Oh, very good. Yeah, you have to bring that in. We'll take a look at it. It's all it's all over the interwebs. Is it? I'll yeah. On the interwebs. We got we got a lot of interwebs. It's like research. a sculptor. It's like a facial sculptor. I will look it up. Yeah. But it's supposed to reduce edema, right? Yes. Yeah. But I think it's supposed to be more powerful than our jade roller. It's a very powerful edema reducer. Mm. <laughs> okay, I'm going to look it up. All right. But, I haven't right, used back, it yet. <laughs> get back on track. So lymphedema, yes, like, if you reduce edema in your face, it is helpful for your overall skin. Yes. Like, that's a good thing, right? So, you know, how good does this thing do? I mean, I don't know. But, like, in theory, it, it would work. So last is therapeutic warmth. So the idea of it, so the jade roller does this too. You're supposed to heat up the jade roller. It's supposed to be warm. Where do you, how do you heat it up? Uh, I think you put it in water, like hot water. Oh, okay. Like, so I was like, it doesn't sound like you should put that in the microwave. No. No. I think it has metal in it. That would be bad. <laughs> it'd be fun, but it would be bad. Did you know fun I have a video of putting a breast implant in the microwave? Yes. Have you seen it? I think you've showed it to me. Oh, I didn't know. I'll just... <laughs> All right. I don't think the people have seen it. I'm going to bring that in one day. All right. So back to the, what were we talking about? Oh, it's all the way. We're off track. Trovis, you got to help us out, man. We're getting like off track here. Got you, that Christmas haze already. You got to reel us in. Okay. Got All right. So therapeutic warmth. What does it do? Well, the idea is that when you warm up the face, it increases circulation, which is good. It also opens up your pores, so you can get more, you know, skincare products. Yeah, out. they do that at spas all the time. I they mean, put that, warm I mean, towels. Therapeutic warmth is good. Yeah. Now, you know, is it like a night and day difference? I mean, probably not. Mm. But like, you know, does therapeutic warmth help? Sure. 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 Also, yeah. taking a hot shower helps. But I mean. You know, this machine does that all in one. So anyway, so what's the verdict on this thing, right? I mean, is this a good thing or a bad thing? You know, I mean, I think that it probably has some benefits for sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, the red light therapy is going to be helpful. You know, the other things we talked, I don't know about the microcurrents. I'm the least kind of convinced that's going to do anything. But, you know, facial massage may help a little bit. Therapeutic warmth helps a little bit. So if you use all of this, is it going to make a difference? I think you probably notice it. I mean, if you like you used it yeah. like consistently for like 60 days, I, I think you probably would say that it's helpful. Yeah. And you know? the people, I feel like the people who buy those products are also using other creams, oh. other things. Yeah. Like they're going all in. Yeah. yeah. Like they have a nighttime routine and they have a morning routine that's right. all about their face and yeah. they do everything for it. So it's like, I feel like. Yeah. Right. So I, I do think that, you know, if you want to get one of these, I don't think you're going to get ripped off. Like, yeah, it's, like, it's not, not going to hurt. You have to go into it with realistic expectations. Yeah, yeah, it's not going to hurt anything. All right, cool. Solo wave. Try it. Very nice. All right, now, you're going to do us a segment, right? Yeah. Talking about how to reduce stress in the holidays. This is a good yeah, one. Yeah, so I found this cute little meme. So, about uh, difficult relatives? Yes. Yeah. I felt, uh, so, so my little segment today is about holiday stress. Holiday stress. I yeah. mean, it can be very stressful. Yes. Your relatives, cooking. Are you going to go over all that? I don't want to steal your thunder. No. Just to talk about it because that's yeah. like this. So well, I, it's just, I it mean, happens. for me, like I get a lot of holiday stress because literally at the end of the year is my busiest time of the mm -hmm. year. So in addition to all of like, you know, the holiday stuff, like I'm working like nonstop. Yeah. So like, I really don't love December to be honest with you. Yeah. Like, it's a stressful time for yeah. a lot of people. It's like, like you have I mean, to wrap up the end of the year, especially you have your own business. Like work, I mean, buying Christmas presents is, I mean, can be stressful. Like and it should be, but it can be. I mean, you know, dealing with your relatives, like, you yes. know, I'm sure that everyone has relatives that 
potentially can make things less than perfect. Yeah. And so I was thinking about all of this, trying to figure out what I wanted to talk about. And this is something that's definitely so happening about, like, like, right things now. things that cause stress? Or are we talking about ways, ways to, to help? Ways to help with it. Yes. Okay. So, I, so I was scrolling through the internet and I found a little article from Mayo Clinic. Mayo Clinic? Okay, yeah. so it's got some power behind it. Mayo Clinic's good. Yeah, like, like so, there was, so there was 10 things that you can do Okay. To help with stress. All right, let's, let's rate them. So, okay, so number one, okay. acknowledge um, your feelings. Right. So Don't hold it on the inside. Yeah, don't hold it in. Yeah. Don't don't um, put on a show because yeah. that'll just make everything it's always, worse. It's always beneficial when you have any issue to be able to confide in someone and have that person, whether it be you know a spouse, a friend, that you can say, look, I'm having some issues. Just even talking about them. It's yeah. Therapists, a lot of people have therapists. Yeah. yeah. It's that whole like... It's okay to feel sad or totally, angry. Absolutely. Feel your feelings. Yeah. I feel like I teach that to my daughter all the time. I don't know that I was necessarily like I wasn't raised like that. Yeah, you were it like, was don't almost cry. like it was almost like you're in a bad mood, go to your room. Let's yeah. not talk about it. Let's just yeah. go to your room. So and then number two is like what you said, reach out, talk to yeah. your family okay, members good. and yeah. your friends. If you Dr. feel Herman's plastic surgeon slash psychiatrist. Yeah. So like <laughs> it, when you're feeling like lonely or stressed out, like yeah. don't don't feel bad that you have emotions. I think a lot of times people don't want to burden others. Maybe. Yeah, and but that's I mean, a lot. I don't know, like as you know, I think of my friends. Like if somebody's having like a problem, man, I want to. I want to yeah. know that they're. Yeah, if know, people care about you, they're, yeah. they want right. to know, and they want to be so, that person. Yeah, so being open about it, that's good. I like that one. And then definitely, like, if you are feeling lonely, I think it, this is a good time of the year to, like, volunteer. So if you volunteer do, work. so, like, maybe you're like, away from your family and you can't go be with them for the holidays, volunteer yeah. somewhere Yeah, and just take there, that time. Like, I think, too, it's like it's like any other hobby. Like, you know, it, yeah. it get your mind off of, like, maybe the negativity. But also, too, like, I mean, I don't know what the studies show, but I would feel like people that volunteer and help others, like, have that kind you of... You get those happy hormones. Uh, yeah, you get that reward from that. Yeah, For I sure. Like that. Definitely. Okay, and then number three is be re being realistic about your holidays. Like, it's yeah. not going to be perfect. Like, right. already know that. It's like the Christmas And, and it's not going to be right? like that last Christmas that you thought was perfect. Because, I mean, in the in, in retrospect, it probably wasn't perfect. So it's just like having so that realistic, realistic thing. Being realistic about expectations is like great life advice. Like, I mean, I'm sure everybody has like a crazy Christmas story. Yep. Do you have a crazy Christmas story? Like, I mean, everybody I mean, does. Like disasters. Yeah. yeah. Like the tree falling over. Yeah. Like the turkey catching on fire. Like, or yeah. like a kid being like disasterly, disastrously upset because yeah. they didn't get something right. that they yeah. thought, you know, like stuff like that. Um, and then number six is um, set aside your family differences or your friends or stuff like that. Like, try to so don't try, like go, accept, accept don't your family. Don't go to fam Christmas dinner yeah. and be like, hey, who'd you guys vote for? Yeah, like don't, <laughs> like, don't, go, to, don't go to your holiday parties and um, expect that person that always gets on your nerves to not get on your nerves that day. Yeah. Like, accept them for I who mean, they are. And then if, you know, save, I, save those... Uh, times to talk to them about that until after <laughs> i do wish you know people would like or just realize you know when to walk away yeah i do wish people would be better about not engaging and stuff yeah because like, you know, my like my siblings they all have like all these different beliefs and like i just like i don't i don't care like i don't care what beliefs they have i definitely don't want to talk that's how them. i am like, sometimes i literally have to say that to my yeah. family members i'm like i just yeah, don't, I'm not, I don't really care I don't about, care what about CNN that. or Fox News. <laughs> like, yeah, know, I think so. a lot of it has to do with alcohol. 
And like, yeah. because you start, because sure. it, the, like, the boundaries. It's one of those things like drink heavily to like reduce stress, probably not for the Yeah, body, you right? probably shouldn't if you're, <laughs> I mean, like if you're, if, if you're the type of person that drinks alcohol and you have no boundaries and you have no like red, yeah. like a filter, yeah. don't, yeah. Um, and then number eight is um, figure out how to stick to your budget. Um, right. so money, money is a stressor. Yeah. I want to be stressed out about money. Yeah. So some of the ways that you can stick to your budget in terms of like presence is you can make a, you can donate to a charity in somebody's name for okay. a gift. Yeah. And you know, money, to, I mean, gifts are not happiness. Like presents don't buy people's happiness at the end of the day. They might make them happy for a second, yeah. but like that's a really good gift to give somebody. Um, and then give something homemade. I try to do this a lot, Yeah, that's especially cool. for people that's like they have everything. What could right. you possibly give them? Talent. Like, you know, it's yeah. like my daughter, she's a good artist. Like when she like draws me pictures, I'm like, this is super cool. Like you took yeah. the time to draw this. Like it's way better than going and Yeah, that's. I feel like that's the hardest thing about Christmas is like, it's like you can go out and buy this yourself. But I feel like it's more meaningful. Yeah. And then the third one is to start a, a family gift exchange. So instead yeah. of like worrying about all of that, mm -hmm. all, buying like all these presents, families. yeah, yeah. I started. I asked my mom if we could do that probably about like three years ago because I was like, I'm showing up to my mom's house with like 20 gifts, know. you know, it's and like I'm like, much. and they don't. And, and it's honestly, it's like you don't even know if your relatives are gonna like like that, yeah. and you like put so much effort. Right. and stress on it it's ridiculous but and then okay okay so next one is number nine plan ahead so yeah. pick a day for shopping pick a day for right. baking pick Don't a day wait till the last minute I, i'm the worst at doing it yeah. i always wait till last minute and it stresses me out and i, I don't and know. then also don't forget to ask for help like don't don't forget that you that you can ask for help when you're planning and making those arrangements it's good to have somebody to like you know be around to help you like yeah kind of tackle the holidays planning like is the hardest effort. for me though yeah I feel like I'm like, I just, if I think of it, I'll do it. Mm -hmm. But then I don't know. Yeah, that's just how I am. Yeah. I'm a little chaotic sometimes. I'm definitely chaotic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a tornado of chaos. All right. And um, the next one is learn how to say no. Yeah. Don't put too much on your plate. Yeah. We can't I have a do that. With that sometimes. I'm like, as people be like, oh, can you do this? Can you do that? I'm like, yeah, yeah. And like, I got all this stuff going. Yeah. I get yeah. It. Yeah, you can't. You have no. to learn how to say no. Um, and then I think this one goes back to uh, um, the drinking thing. Don't abandon uh, healthy habits. Like, don't be like, "Oh, it's Christmas. I can overeat." Right. Has, feel, yeah. Has overeating ever solved anybody's problems? No. You're gonna feel. You'll no. feel good, like for a second. Then you're gonna feel bad when you yeah. step on the scale. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's no way. You can be like, "Oh no." Yeah. So some of the things that. So what I do is like my number one thing I do whenever I go to parties and stuff is instead of giving like a massive plate, like a like paper plate or serving plate, whatever, I get a smaller plate. Nice. So it's like I can control my servings yep. and like have and have that Smart. plan of being like, okay, I'm not going to, maybe I'll go back and get seconds or like, you know, whatever, like have a plan to where you can cut yourself yep. off. I've done that in the past too, where I just like don't go crazy eating because just. <laughs> yeah, you can't. And, um, and also make sure to, like, I know a lot of people are like, oh, we're going to eat this big, massive meal at two o'clock or six o'clock. I'm not going to eat for the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. Don't do that. It's not, not good. No, because then you'll get there and you'll and you binge eat. eat. Yeah, yeah. So you'll be stuffed and then go to you sleep. Eat something beforehand, like some rice. Yeah. 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 Like eat a little something, something. Yeah. 
And then um, another one, take a breather. Yeah, make time for yourself. Yeah, we are not Ex like doing especially during Christmas, maybe yeah. even, or leading up to it, like right before. Don't be, yeah, don't be afraid to like leave the room yeah. if you feel, if you're feeling overwhelmed, you know, like if you're around all of your relatives, all that chaos. Yeah, like go out, go for Yeah, a walk. take a walk, that's yeah. exactly, take a walk, go, go to a room somewhere where yeah. nobody's at scroll through your phone just like to take like dissociate for a second yep. from what you're doing yep. and then obviously if all of these issues that you're having are just like all these holiday stresses are causing so much issues definitely always talk to a professional but besides that those are my tips those are really good i mean yeah. all of those are great i mean i agree with all those actually yeah i think i mean i kind of it was kind of nice reading it because it was like oh, okay yeah this hits home yeah because it definitely does. Yeah, it can be stressful. Like, I'm yeah. definitely going to use these, like, yeah. day of. Because awesome. I'm. It's to, Christmas Day is going to be a long oh, yeah. day. Stressful. I get it. <laughs> well, thank you so much for, for bringing yeah. this to our I know. Time. I usually always talk about, like, physical stuff. Like, this is good. What, no, I can, that's, what you that's can eat. Perfect. What you can. Uh, no, that's a perfect segment. Yeah. I loved it. All that thank kind of so stuff. Thank you so much. High five. <laughs> nice. I'm like sloth. Well, I think that's <laughs> sloth. I think that brings us about to the end of our episode. I want to wish everyone out there a Merry, Merry Christmas. I hope you guys have the greatest holiday. We'll see you next week back here on Nip Talk.